Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we are going to once again grapple with the tantalizing world of NVIDIA's GeForce Now project. Now, if you aren't familiar with GeForce Now, I can't blame you. It only recently came out of beta. And most of the news items about it have been regarding publishers taking their content off of this platform or service. I've pulled up a video that I did about this last week that has come under a certain amount of fire on the internet, on Twitter, and on my social media. Thank you everyone who is passionate about these things in the comments to my videos and and on my social media. But it was called The Long Dark of Licensing, NVIDIA's GeForce Now. And it was basically premised on the fact that the Hinterlands, the studio that makes The Long Dark, had removed its game from the GeForce Now service. And whether or not that was legal, whether or not people would have a claim against them. And this was all in response to IGN soliciting me for quotes on this topic. And I talked in this video, which I highly recommend checking out if you are interested in this on a kind of more holistic basis. In this video, I talked about the end user license agreements and how copyright works and how at its most basic, the publishers of these video games have licensed certain rights to Steam to distribute their games and Steam can't expand on those rights. And when someone, some end user, like a customer, like you who are playing your video games, tries to use a service like NVIDIA's GeForce Now, NVIDIA probably doesn't have the intellectual property rights necessary because you don't have a license that can give them the right to distribute something from a cloud environment, a virtual PC on their server back to you because distribution is distinct from use, is distinct from operating a piece of software on a local computer hardware system. A lot of people have a lot of disagreement about this. One of the things we are going to do in this video is talk about some of the ambiguities, talk about some of the things that are happening. A few disclaimers before we do. One, I would very much like it if everybody in the comments and on my social media, if you were otherwise responding to the tweets that I make about this video, keep it civil. You 100% do not have to agree with the decisions that publishers are making with respect to GeForce Now. I myself am very interested in the GeForce Now project. I think it would be a good thing for games in general, but I also understand that doing it right, as NVIDIA has, I don't think, done in this particular instance, is as important as getting the product out the door. As a lawyer, I like to see intellectual property rights kind of honored and folks to sit at the negotiating table and decide on what someone should get paid or what rights they should receive in exchange for a license to their intellectual property. So put me under the camp that is intrigued by xCloud and GeForce Now and all these good things, but thinks that NVIDIA went about it the wrong way by essentially just accepting that they had all these rights to Steam games and then asking the publishers to opt out. I believe on the understanding that there would be this kind of outrage mentality and that they could kind of leverage the consumers and the game players' emotions and emotionality against these publishers. So that's the first disclaimer. The second disclaimer is, is that there is a large amount of ambiguity here. What you are about to hear from me is my opinion on these matters. Different lawyers could come in and say different things. That's perfectly fine. But as a corollary to item one, keep it civil. I don't mind having these conversations in my comments or on my social media at all. But, you know, try not to impugn my law degree and things of that nature, because in general, I have thought about these things. I have negotiated terms similar to these and the ones we're about to talk about with respect to Steam in software licenses, enterprise licenses, game development licenses. And so 
I do have some foundation for what I'm about to talk about. Finally, this video is going to have as its second half, I think, a discussion of a significant Supreme Court case, which I think is very analogous to what we're talking about with respect to G-Force now. And you don't have to agree with it. You can say that Supreme Court case should be overturned. But when we talk about these issues, we talk about what the landscape of the law is right now. And so, yes, I think you can disagree with everything that's happening here. You can be a big supporter of G-Force now. You can say, Rick, that might be true with respect to the license. That might be true that NVIDIA doesn't have the right right now. But I wish they did. And honestly, I do too. Okay, I wish that the baseline user licenses allowed for streaming and distribution and broadcast and transmittal and virtualization. I would love that. I'm a PC gamer. I want to see that expansion. That's the right place to have that discussion, though, is to say, hey, those licenses should be broader because that puts the publisher and the developer at the table that allows them to speak about these things with Steam or GOG or Epic or whomever. And it allows everybody to kind of come to an understanding of what is being sold. Stealing the base isn't so okay, right? You say, oh, GeForce Now exists. I want the license to have said that. So now I'm going to deem it to have been so. That's not the way the law works. That's not the way it should work. If you can imagine yourself as running a video game company, that's not the way you would have it work either. With those disclaimers out of the way, let's talk about GeForce Now. Let's talk about what has happened in my social media feeds, the people that are talking about these various issues, because I think there's a lot to dive into. I think there's a good discussion to be had. A word of warning, I guess one last disclaimer. This video is likely to run a little bit long. You will know better by the time this is up than I do uh, about how long this is going to be, but we have a lot of topics to discuss, and I want to discuss them as fulsomely as possible because I think it's important to have this conversation, and I think a lot of people have raised a lot of good points. So first off, let's talk about what GeForce Now is. So we've got the GeForce Now FAQ. It says, GeForce Now is NVIDIA's cloud-based game streaming service, delivering real-time gameplay straight from the cloud to your laptop, desktop, map, Shield TV, or Android device. Connect to your store accounts and stream your own library of games or play your favorite free-to-play games. With cloud saves for supported games, you can pick up your game where you left off on any supported device, wherever you are. Said another way, and we looked at the terms and conditions for GeForce now in the previous video, GeForce has a server farm somewhere, and they make virtual PCs that they operate their GeForce now service on. You either use it for free for about an hour at a time, or you pay them a membership fee, I think on a monthly basis, and get, I think, six hours of time in a row before you have to kind of requeue for more access to the virtual PC on the server environment. And they take your Steam account or GOG account or whatever is actually using GeForce Now for you as the user, and you tell them what games that you own, you connect your account to it, and then you can play those games off of the NVIDIA server and it streams back to you. Either on your PC, which most people are telling me on their social media they, they intend to be underpowered because the GeForce Now servers can have the power necessary to run the game, so they want to run it on their uh, laptops or they want to run it on their phones or their iPads and other tablets, and it beams it back to you. Now, I've heard a lot of people say, hey, that is exactly the same as me renting a computer or operating it in a cafe. I am very sympathetic to the user experience being very similar in those respects. Hoglaw runs on a virtual environment. And when we click that button, it's the same as if the desktop were sitting right in front of us. But the behind the scenes, what's actually happening is important to this conversation because as we are going to see in this video, copyright is a bundle of rights. It's a series of things. 
And basically, the copyright holder, in this case, the developer, the publisher, licenses out to someone, to Steam, to the end user, certain rights to do things with their copyrighted material. They don't give up ownership. They don't give up every other right. They give you certain rights. And to the extent those rights haven't been given to you, they are retained. I've seen a lot of people argue that in the face of no restriction on something, they should be allowed to do it under the license. And that's just not the way intellectual property licenses work. Everything that they didn't give you, they kept. And we're going to actually look at some Steam license language that I can show you that highlights that particular kind of concept. I didn't highlight it in the previous video because I didn't think it would be a tripping up point, but I'm always happy to be informed about these things and to hopefully be more educational and more illuminating in the next video that covers a similar or the same topic. So that's GeForce Now. But important to remember is it's not your computer beaming something out. It's another computer beaming something in. And that's going to be distinct for this purpose because implicit in your Steam license to use an application on your computer is going to be certain of Steam's powers. That's going to include remote play that Steam can do, potentially remote play together. We're going to talk about that as well because a number of people raise that as an issue. But it's going to include some of Steam's functionality, which probably lives in the distribution agreement, which continues to be under NDA, which I'm very apologetic about because we can't talk about the direct language in that document so easily. But we can assume that for the most part, if you are operating the application on your computer and using a Steam-sponsored widget, doing something that Steam can do with that application, you're probably going to be okay under the Steam distribution agreement. That is distinct from a third party now coming in as NVIDIA, operating this application remotely in the cloud and doing something new with it. As the Hinterlands said in when they removed their product, we don't have an agreement with NVIDIA. So we can't control that relationship. If Steam does something wrong, if they breach their contract with us, we can hey, say, hey, Steam, you can't do that. Or you have to compensate us. Or you have to put us higher in the store. We have that business relationship. And in the absence of a business relationship with NVIDIA, folks like the Hinterlands, other indies, people that don't necessarily hate GeForce Now, think it might be the future, but don't love not having a seat at the table and figuring out what this relationship should look like, they don't have a choice. NVIDIA is essentially asserting that they can just do this with the licenses. I'm saying that I don't believe that to be the case, and I'm making these videos to kind of show why that is. Moving on a little bit, I want to kind of highlight some of the things that I'm hearing in my social media. This was from a chain where I actually talked about the fact that um, uh, oh, Raphael Van Lierop, who is the head of the Hinterlands, started talking about a Forbes article, which we're going to look at in just a second. And a number of people said, hey, this is only about the money. And he says that's actually completely false, but I understand that it is easier to think that than to really understand the issue. We talked in the previous video about compensation being a potential vector for publishers and developers to be upset about this. 100%. That can be part of the argument. It doesn't have to be the only argument, right? Compensation doesn't have to be the be-all and end-all of what we're talking about here. There are artistic reasons to not necessarily want your real-time strategy game to be beamed to somebody's iPhone or to have your artistic experience and reflections on cancer be only available or, or also available on somebody's tablet who's otherwise standing in line for a meeting of some kind. As a consumer, you don't have to like that. You don't have to like that artistic reason. I've got plenty of tweets out there that says, 
You know, Martin Scorsese saying all these various things about theaters and theatrical experience or Steven Spielberg saying those things with respect to the Oscars. I think that's all bunk and that you shouldn't have any of those conversations. And I I disagree with that opinion vehemently. You are allowed to disagree with that artistic opinion, 100%. What I would ask you not to do is to just assume because you disagree with that opinion that the right has already been licensed away to do whatever you want to do on NVIDIA's cloud service beamed to your iPhone standing in line at a restaurant somewhere. Just because you want it doesn't mean that's what the documents say. And I know a lot of you understand that, but I am getting kind of a a, a noise to signal ratio here from a lot of people that are commenting on these things. We also have Steam's user agreement states all purchased games through Steam are supported on Steam and any Steam supported device. No, it doesn't. We'll talk about that. Some of us understand the issue and are actively working towards your enlightenment. Why pretend we aren't here? Uh, Because he eats up negative attention and has a messiah complex. Let's keep the ad hominems down, folks. I think we need to start a class action lawsuit against this person and the rest. I would love to hear exactly what your claim is under a class action lawsuit, but there isn't one. He never really responds to reasonable questions. He has a messiah complex, all these kinds of ad hominem attacks. And then it's not. NVIDIA is just rendering a PC. I bought the game. You don't have a say on what PC I play the game on. This is a common refrain. I have said in the previous video, I will say in this video, a virtual PC environment is not a PC. It's not a personal computer. It's a piece of software on a server that is pretending to be a personal computer. It's not, there's nothing personal about it. And depending on how GeForce now actually operates behind the scenes, it's probably not the same virtual computer every time you have an account with GeForce now, and it's probably allocating you to various places in its servers. I can't pretend to know exactly how their technology works, but that seems likely because they've got the one hour time commitment, then the six hours, and then you pop back on. They find you space, right? That makes sense for how they operate. I can't speak to that specifically, but that's very likely the case. It's not a personal computer, and you can argue that it should be treated as one. I think you can argue that ambiguity when we talk about the Steam license, but we have to start out with the premise that it's not. So everybody in my social media that says, this is identical to me buying a new PC. This is identical to me playing a game at a friend's house. It isn't. It isn't. And and you lose kind of your argument when you make that claim. Don't ever make the claim that something is identical when it's not, because you lose the ability to argue on the points that maybe you should be arguing on. We're going to talk about some of those, uh, if you can believe it. If you've otherwise framed me as anti-GeForce Now or anti-consumerist or whatever else you want to say in my social media feeds, I love you all, uh, is that, hey, you might have good arguments, but when you say something is exactly the same when it's clearly not, you you tend to lose the listener. And, And so I would avoid doing that, because what we've got here is a cloud system beaming something to you. It might be analogous to a personal computer, but it is not one. And so you have to make that analogy as part of your legal claim or as part of your claim of consumer rights. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. Let's address this Forbes article because it was a big one. It's Forbes. It's a senior contributor. This person has a lot of Twitter followers, had a lot of likes for people complaining about this only being a greedy move by the hinterlands that doesn't know what they are doing. He says, with GeForce Now, we are essentially just renting computer power. I'm hitching my Ultrabook to NVIDIA servers so that I can play games I already own on hardware that doesn't have beefy graphics cards. I own hundreds of games on Steam, and GeForce Now would simply let me access them, except for those pulled by publishers and game developers who believe I don't have a right to my own catalog of titles. I've already written about why I think Activision and Bethesda were dead wrong to pull their games from GeForce Now, 
These companies don't see immediate profits in a service like this, but neither AAA publisher is terribly frank about their decision-making process, and both are badly missing the long-term benefits GeForce Now could provide. Let's take a step back here in this Forbes article, because I think this is important. This is an argument that he is entirely within his rights to make. And I would say if you were on the forums, if you're on Reset Era or NeoGAF or Reddit or otherwise following virtual legality somewhere else, it is the argument you should be making if you want to advocate for GeForce Now. Hey, GeForce Now is going to be great for the industry. Hey, GeForce Now is something that you all should support. We saw Tim Sweeney of Epic Games say almost exactly that. This is going to be great for the industry. You all should support it. But in the same tweet where he said that, he also said, hey, I hope that these publishers get on board. He doesn't claim that the license the publishers have given to him to distribute games through the Epic Game Store should automatically require them to allow access to those games through the Epic Game Store on the NVIDIA GeForce Now service, because it's pretty clear from a legal perspective that it does not. But he still makes the argument, and it's a good argument to make. If you believe in GeForce Now, if you believe that this kind of thing is the future of the video game industry, you tell these developers, you say, hey, okay, maybe you have the right to pull this thing off, but you're being stupid. You're going to make enemies of all these people because they want to play their games on this service. This is going to be a very popular, very successful service, and you could triple your earnings by being on GeForce Now. You can have that conversation. You can have it without calling somebody a messiah complex. You can have that conversation without ad hominem attacks. Because I will tell you this, you you retreat to those kinds of concepts, it hardens and solidifies somebody in their decision making. It's not the way you convince a developer to join something that you want them to join. And it certainly isn't the way to just claim that they never had the right to say no in the first place. This article continues by saying and quoting the tweet that we quoted in the last video, Sorry to those who are disappointed, you can no longer play the long dark on GeForce Now. NVIDIA didn't ask for our permission to put the game on the platform, so we asked them to remove it. Please take your complaints to them, not us. Devs should control where their games exist. This article says, right away you can see the problem with Lerop's reasoning. He refers to GeForce Now as a platform instead of a service. If GeForce Now were a platform and NVIDIA had sold copies of the long dark without permission, That would indeed be problematic, especially if Hinterland Studio was cut out of the sales. Not just problematic, but also, I imagine, very illegal. And he would be exactly right there, but he is kind of missing the forest or for the trees, right? You've got a situation here where he understands that distribution would be a violation of Hinterland's exclusive copyrights, but he skips the rest of the bundle of rights. When we actually go and we look at the copyrights, We've looked at this a lot in virtual legality. 17 USC 106 details what a copyright holder actually holds in their materials. They have the right to reproduce their materials. They have the right to prepare derivative works, to distribute them to the public, to perform them publicly, to display them publicly, and then also if it's audio, to to perform them publicly through digital audio transmission. But what we're talking about is not just distribution. Even if we were, Steam's EULA has certain issues with respect to whether the distribution can go up to GeForce Now, but we're not actually going to concern ourselves with that. What we are concerned with is GeForce Now and whether they are performing and displaying the work publicly, right? And in my social media, you get this fight a lot as well, which says it is not public because I am a single subscriber that is accessing my single account and it is being transmitted solely to me. So Rick, you are a silly person, and that can't possibly be publicly. 
We're going to get back to that, but put a pin in that because that's an argument that also probably doesn't hold water under the current Supreme Court jurisprudence in the United States. Additionally, you see him say, hey, it's not a platform. It's just a service. And I think one of the things that can pop out, want to make sure I didn't have anything else to catch in this article, is that no, it's not. It's essentially kind of both. We've got a PC Gamer article here, which is pretty good, that's called The Controversy Over GeForce Now Explained. And they do a lot of good work kind of trying to parse some of this out. But one of the important parts in terms of that Forbes article is, even if a service like GFN isn't forbidden by a game's EULA, and I think it is, it's not purely a hardware service. GeForce Now includes an app and interface for selecting games, including art and descriptions of those games. It's a curated ecosystem, and currently GeForce Now only allows you to play games that NVIDIA claims are compatible. I haven't gotten an answer from NVIDIA about whether or not bespoke work goes into ensuring these games run properly when streamed from the cloud, but regardless, you're not renting a blank slate cloud computer. It already has Steam and other stores installed, and every compatible game is already installed on a network drive that your virtual machine connects to. Now, we spent time in the previous video saying that a blank slate computer probably doesn't solve this issue either. That even if you just had a naked kind of virtual PC environment, you probably don't have the right to stream a game from that system, that virtual environment, back to your tablet, your phone, your, your current computer. But a, lo a lot of folks came to me in my social media and said, well, you know, there are things that already do that. There's certain services, Shadow, uh, certainly anything that you just kind of have a virtual PC on that you might otherwise operate Steam on. Why aren't they causing this kind of trouble? And there's a couple of reasons for that. One of which is, it's just the nature of the beast, right? If you're one person doing one thing and interacting with that thing in a specific way that maybe is in breach of EULA, it is unlikely, by virtue of statistics, if nothing else, that the big hand of Valve or the publisher is going to come down on you. Not the least of which is because you're not trying to commercialize it, you're not trying to make a big deal out of it, you're not trying to claim extra rights, you're just trying to use something, and even if it's in breach, it's probably not going to get you in trouble. Doesn't mean it's legal, doesn't mean it isn't technically copyright infringement, but when you bring in a third party to operate a service like that, and they essentially just claim that they have the rights to do something like that, then you get into all this trouble. And yeah, Success and marketing is part of that equation. A lot of people came to me and, t and talked to me about this shadow uh, company that does something like this. And I looked at it and said, hey, I'm not so sure there's something that distinguishes shadow from GeForce now. There's different ways that the technology works, but I'm not sure that that's important from a legal perspective. But the success rate and the way they market is something that is different. NVIDIA is a giant multinational corporation with all this money to kind of push something like this forward. They, they are different from a smaller company that is doing something similar. And a copyright holder doesn't waive their rights to object to X because they failed to object to Y, right? A copyright holder, it isn't quite the same. People get these things mixed up. It isn't quite the same as a trademark holder failing to defend their trademark. A copyright holder isn't going to be ascribed with full knowledge of everything everywhere in the world that could potentially violate their copyright. They just have to move against those things that cause them trouble or that they don't like. And part of this conversation is also what things are allowed in the real world that maybe are a violation of end user license agreements or copyright law. And I have a great video on this. I actually didn't pull up a tab for this, but you should check it out about streaming and whether all streaming is infringement. 
And it's, I think, a great conversation because I don't think people fully realize that most licenses, publishers and developers have gotten a little bit better about this in, in the last couple of years, but most licenses don't really allow you to stream broadcasts of your games. Um, there's some exceptions, use, use of the share button on various of the consoles, even though that can be disabled, but most of these don't do that. And so a lot of streaming is infringing kind of on its face. And then game companies allow that infringement because they think it's useful to them. And if they decide that it isn't useful to them, the video that I'm talking about actually talked about someone that started attacking Electronic Arts and Electronic Arts just threw up copyright strikes on all their, on all their streams on Twitch and YouTube. And so I looked at that video, I looked at that situation and said, yeah, that's a problem, but it is the current state of the law because you've got these people that stream things essentially at the largesse of the content holder. And if they ever kind of step out of line, the content holder can bring the hammer down. And that's the current state of streaming in most instances. Like I said, there are licenses that allow it in very specific instances and publishers and developers are getting better about this. And as I said earlier in the video, if you want to push for those rights in the licenses, absolutely, go do that. It doesn't do the user or the consumer a lot of good to have these ambiguous licenses or to be operating at the largesse of the content holder. Go pursue those claims. But don't just claim that they already exist because this is the way the world works or because I like using it in NVIDIA's GeForce Now or what have you. Push for those better licenses. I also wanted to talk in this PC Gamer article just about one of the quotes that he got that shows exactly how NVIDIA is operating here. It says, based on the statements of other indie developers, it sounds like NVIDIA's long-term plan is to support streaming of virtually all games on Steam without specific agreements in place with those developers. NVIDIA seems willing to let developers opt out, willing probably because it's a legal requirement, but isn't presenting that option up front. NVIDIA made us aware in advance of the GFN service and that it would be available to, to Terraria owners and really all games on Steam in the coming months, regardless of our involvement or not. Ted Murphy of Terraria developer Relogic told me over email. To clarify, I asked if Murphy believed Terraria would be available on GeForce Now regardless of Relogic's cooperation, and he said yes. That was how we interpreted what was being said, that GFN would be something that wove in with Steam, a new way for gamers that had already purchased a given game to be able to play. We didn't really see an issue with that logic, and the agreement only covered the use of Terraria in marketing. It did not get down into any other aspects or details. There was never any explicit permission asked for in terms of the game being present on the platform. That's the way NVIDIA is operating, that they don't have to have an intellectual property license to do what they want to do with their service. And I think a lot of the reasoning there goes with some of the things that we've seen on social media. But it also should be said, and a lot of people have commented on my social media, said, well, NVIDIA wouldn't do something this wrong. They have a cadre of lawyers. They wouldn't do something that was infringement. I'll tell you this. The real politic of working in business is evaluating exactly what your potential damages are for breach, whether or not somebody is going to come after you and sue you, and what the public relations ramifications of that action would be. If you want to think of NVIDIA as the good guy, you could assume that they have looked at all this and they think that they have the rights that they need and that they're just moving forward with it. Maybe. If you want to see them as the bad guy, you could also frame the story as follows. You could say NVIDIA is well aware that they probably need a copyright license of some kind to transmit information across the internet through the use of their servers to another device and that they don't have that license right now. 
but that most developers are going to be uninterested in suing one of the largest video game adjacent companies in the world, and they don't want to make trouble for Valve or for Epic or for GOG, who believe that this is a useful multiplier for the value proposition of their platform services. So because they don't want to upturn those apple carts, we think we can just add them to the service and they'll get in trouble if they try to make trouble for us. As a matter of fact, you've basically seen that thesis, if indeed NVIDIA had that, in what has happened with respect to the hinterlands, right? That they went and they said, hey, they didn't ask us, we're pulling it off the service and all hell broke loose on the reset eras and reddits and twitters of the world. And you have people calling this developer a messiah complex individual, calling them all sorts of names, less than human, which I did actually chide folks about in my timeline. I don't like having those kinds of attacks in my timeline. Don't do it if you see this video otherwise linked there. But you see that kind of attack and NVIDIA could have had that cadre of lawyers and smart business people understand that that was the likely outcome of pursuing this as a political and business strategy. Absolutely. If you think they're smart enough to have the know-how to figure out what's legal and what's not, they have the smarts to figure out what's likely to have the outrage mob come after its detractors. So I think NVIDIA probably did understand that even if they aren't fully in the wrong, there's at least a significant amount of gray area and that in all likelihood, they probably did need a license, but it didn't matter because they could leverage their relationships against these people. And you don't actually see the same kind of fire being brought against the AAA publishers because they have a lot of money and they have a lot of arguments and they have, I think, more fans than a smaller company like Hinterland. Those are these two articles. I will, of course, link these in the description. I highly recommend checking them out. They are very interesting. I think the Forbes opinion piece is good insofar as you can absolutely present the opinion that these publishers should be on board with GeForce Now, but you shouldn't go so far as that article basically says to assume that the license that you got from Steam should allow you to use a cloud service to beam that game back to you. Similarly, I got a lot of comments in the comments to my video, a lot of people telling me exactly what I got wrong or where I should stick it. I love you all, YouTube commenters, you are the best, don't worry about it. I got one in particular that I wanted to comment on. We're gonna use it as the jumping off point for some of the rest of this. It says, hey, the EULA states, Valve hereby grants and you accept a non-exclusive license and right to use the content and services for your personal non-commercial use. Indeed it does. That's what I highlighted in the video last week. The user is using content for their own personal non-commercial use. It just happens to be installed and running on a rented PC. It does not limit my way to use just as long as it is for personal non-commercial use. I believe you have a bias here that is clouding. I like that. I hope it was a pun. Your judgment, question your own position, question dogma. I've never actually heard Copyright Act stuff referred to as dogma, but I appreciate it. I like the passion. Here's the issue. And this is something that I think people get tripped up on. I tried to illuminate it in the earlier video. I'm certainly going to try to again in this one. Let's put your rights aside for a second. Let's say that you as an individual got the rights you think you need to, to use this application in this environment, to, to play it on your tablet or what have you. You're only one party to this entire transaction. What we want to talk about is NVIDIA. NVIDIA is running a business, separate from the rest of their business, called GeForce Now, in which they have servers, they operate those servers, they allow people to connect Steam, and they run executables. They run applications for the benefit of their customer base, and they then run those applications and beam video and audio of those applications to their users. 
those applications are copyrighted material. I don't think anybody disagrees with that, right? When you are talking about a video game, it is held in copyright by the producer of that video game, publisher, distributor, uh, developer, whoever it might be. And so if you are NVIDIA, the question becomes, separate from everything else, do you need an intellectual property license to beam the audio and visual elements from the game you are running across the sky, across the cloud, to another device? The answer to that is going to be yes. And it's going to bother a lot of people because they don't like concepting this out. They think it looks exactly the same as operating their own computer. And I don't blame them. As I said to start this video, if you want to go and say, hey, that license should not include just a use for my own instance. It should expressly include the right to operate this application on any traditional cloud service. You can even name them if you want to, uh, if, if that'll help you in the license valve or distributor or developer or publisher. If you don't name them, then regardless of my dogma or my own position, it's a right retained by the content holder. They didn't license it out. They didn't intend to. They didn't get paid for it. They didn't discuss what it would look like with Valve or NVIDIA or anyone else. And so you're arguing something that they haven't given up because you would like it. And I don't blame you for liking to have it. Continuing on, I say, hey, that's wrong. I said exactly what I just said in this video. It says, well, there you have it. Repeat your previous argument more vehemently and you will get different results. No, sorry, but this is a sad excuse of a response. I'm always sorry to hear that. You seem dead set on your conclusion, though. One could argue the same. A virtual PC or an actual PC, this is a distinction without a difference. Perhaps to the user experience. It's not a distinction without a difference for purposes of the law. It is a fantasy that virtual PCs and actual PCs are different. Do you think the cloud is made out of air? It is hardware. It is all hardware. PCs do not require custody or physical control. The PCs are personal. The personal aspect of it probably does, but we'll put that aside for a second. A lot of these end user license agreements, as we've talked about, require that physical control. Pressing on, then we have this idea that NVIDIA is performing the act, when in fact there is no evidence that this is true. The act they are providing is software and hardware that enables me to log into my own Steam account on the hardware. I install and play games through my account. This is what actually happens. Of course, NVIDIA's actions could be described as commercial. However, in the context of this EULA, they are not the actor. I am. I am the one using my Steam account, logging into Steam myself, and the actor involved with both the launching of and experience of the game content. Now, as I've said, a lot of people have brought up this argument that it's just my stuff, NVIDIA is just providing these services, they're not doing anything. And we're going to get through a few more things, but I want you to keep a pin in that because this is what the Supreme Court case that I'm going to talk about really describes in detail, that this argument isn't in fact the case, that there can be direct infringement by the provider of a service very much like this one in circumstances very much like these. So keep this in mind. Don't worry about my failure to question dogma or the fact that I did not approach this subjectively, which is interesting to me because I would much rather read the EULAs the other way. I like GeForce now. I like the streaming kind of concept of the future. But putting that aside for the moment, let's follow up on a few of the things that other people have said just to talk about them, talk them through. We've got other commenters here that said, hey, I described exactly what I've talked about in this video in the last. They said, hey, they don't give up those rights. You'd better take that up with Steam since they allow broadcast, remote seats, and virtualization. Not so sure you're doing your homework here. 
remote play together is a particularly fascinating one because it basically disproves damn near everything you've said in one easy link. Remote play together is a operation where you run a game on your own computer and other people can link into it to play it with you. So those people are linking into your computer. But again, it's worthwhile to note how these all operate, that there is a single personal computer that is running the application and that you're otherwise using Steam widgets to do whatever it is that Steam does. In every instance in that case, somebody has a license to operate the game on their own computer and they aren't moving it off of their own computer. And so these are distinct from having something operate out and be beamed in instead of operating on your own computer and being beamed out. I know you all don't like to hear that. I think you could ask for different licenses in all these circumstances, but that is the state of play as it stands right now. Even worse for this particular person's argument, we note here in the actual Steamworks description, you can enable or disable it yourself, remote play together, to match whether this feature is appropriate for your game. So this particular feature where other people are allowed to beam in and play your game with you can be disabled by the publishers. It doesn't have to be supported. It looks like remote play probably does have to be supported um, in terms of its actual functionality. You don't have to necessarily click the box for changing your UI elements or anything like that. And hey, that's an interesting point of argument that Steam already allows certain of these things. And what is the distinction between Steam operating it and a cloud server sending it back in? And those are good arguments to have about what the license should say, but not what the license actually does say. Which brings us back to our favorite place, the Steam license. As we talked about in our earlier video, Steam and your subscription require the download and installation of content and services onto your computer. Valve grants and you accept a non-exclusive license and right to use the content and services for your personal non-commercial use, terminating on the end of this agreement, or any subscription that otherwise includes the license. And I said in my video, that's pretty clearly aimed at your personal home computer uh, or other computer that may be mobile, but is at least held and is in your control. People argued with that. And I wanna say, this license could be written much better, could be written much more expressly. You look at something like Bethesda and ZeniMax and they say, you hereby accept a limited non-transferable non-exclusive license to install the game client on one or more computers owned by you or under your legitimate control. To use the game client solely as part of the service for your non-commercial entertainment purposes only. And I say, yeah, heck, that's a much better way to describe what's happening here than Steam, who makes it kind of ambiguous. And we're going to talk about the limitations in Steam's uh, license as well, because a lot of people brought those up as well. But... Just on this, just on what the actual license grant is, I can see people being upset about this ambiguity. It should be written like the Bethesda EULA. And as we talked about earlier, those EULAs will control. Steam actually said, hey, if you've got a EULA for your game, that'll control over this. This is kind of a wrapper, kind of last umbrella EULA in case you didn't cover something or in case you don't want to have a EULA of your own. But this EULA should be written better, should be written more specifically to talk about the fact that we are talking about personal home computer use and that that's what this was always intended for and doesn't wrap up these other rights. And when we talk about wrapping up these other rights, it's worthwhile to note that GeForce Now has a very similar kind of provision that is trying to absolve NVIDIA of any of this discussion, right? It says, one of the things you have to promise NVIDIA when you are using GeForce Now NVIDIA or a GFN Alliance partner is renting you a virtual PC and it is your responsibility to have sufficient rights to use the content, i.e. third-party video games. Hey, 
This isn't on NVIDIA. It's not our problem. You're promising us that you have the rights to use these games. We are plugging our ears and we're not going to think about it. So when we talk about Steam EULAs, when we talk about what it is is a right that you get, that's part of this discussion, right? You have to give NVIDIA the right to do whatever NVIDIA is doing, in this case, broadcasting it back to you. And if you didn't get that right from the publisher in the first instance, NVIDIA's got a problem. And that problem comes a little bit more clearly into focus when we talk about ownership and restrictions. So let's look at these Steam license terms. I didn't raise them in the previous video because I didn't think they were specific or necessary enough to kind of highlight this issue. But I think a lot of people are having trouble with this particular point. First, all title ownership rights and intellectual property rights in and to the content and services, that's games. You can read that as games. And any and all copies thereof are owned by Valve or the people that own them. Here's an important bit of language that I'm sure you have seen in a lot of TV shows, in a lot of motion pictures, anywhere else that you might find this kind of stuff. All rights are reserved, except as expressly stated herein. All rights reserved is not just superfluous, empty language. It's not strictly necessary under the way that the law works, but it's what we might call belt and suspenders to highlight expressly that you aren't getting things that we didn't license to you. That when we give you the right to use something on your computer, that is not also the right to perform it publicly. That is not also the right to reproduce it or to make derivative works about it. When the long dark is licensed to you, it doesn't also give you the right to make the long dark too. I think people intuitively understand that. They intuitively understand they did not get the right to prepare derivative works. Although they might make fan art or they might make some musical accompaniment. And you say, Rick, I don't see them getting sued. I don't see the hinterlands coming after them for those kinds of things. And then you kind of arrive at the point. When the publisher thinks it's okay, when they think it's helpful to them to have fan art contests, to have people making derivative works, even if it's otherwise an infringement on their copyright, they waive those infringements. It's implicit. It's understood. They didn't waive the infringement to perform it publicly, to display it publicly, to otherwise do the things that aren't expressly stated in the Steam license. All rights are reserved except those that were given herein. Then you have more express language. You have on top of that, just in case we aren't clear about what use means. You may not use the content and services for any purpose other than permitted access to Steam and subscriptions and to make personal non-commercial use of your subscriptions, except as otherwise permitted by this agreement or subscription terms, you list that come in over the top. Said another way, you can't do these things. You can't do anything but personal non-commercial use of your subscriptions. Now remember, for GeForce Now to operate, it's getting its license from you, the end user. You can only transmit what you have a license to do from your purchase of the license from Steam. And Steam very specifically says you can't do anything that is non-personal or non-commercial. So NVIDIA can't do anything that is non-personal or non-commercial. You may not reproduce or distribute this stuff in the absence of the prior consent in writing of Valve. Now that's actually interesting in and of itself. Does Valve retain the right to waive this particular restriction on behalf of its game developers and publishers? I'd argue that it probably doesn't, but the express language here suggests that it does. So maybe Valve could sign a consent to allow NVIDIA to reproduce or distribute on a non-commercial basis. That's a kind of an open question.
continuing with the next paragraph, you are entitled to use content and services for your own personal use, but are not entitled to sell, grant a security interest in, or transfer reproductions of the content and services to other parties in any way. So again, think about NVIDIA getting its license through you. NVIDIA is not entitled to transfer reproduction of the content and services to others in any way. Sounds a bit like what GeForce Now does, right? Nor is it allowed to rent, lease, or license the content and services to others without the written consent of Valve, except as expressly permitted. It's also not allowed to host the content or exploit the content and services or any of its parts for any commercial purpose. This is the license that NVIDIA is taking from the end users of Steam, and that's the chain that is the problem for what GeForce Now purports to do. That's the state of play that we're talking about. NVIDIA needs a license to do something with the copyrighted materials. That's probably not even up for debate, but we could have that conversation in another video if you would like it. NVIDIA has these copyrighted materials. It is doing something with them. It probably needs the rights to do something with them. These end users, the people that are commenting in my social media, on my YouTube videos, think what they purchased as a license from Steam gives them the ability to do this thing with NVIDIA, but NVIDIA doesn't have those rights separately and it needs them. That's separating out entirely the question about whether you personally can operate an account on the cloud and get these things downloaded for yourself. I think there are issues with that as well, but I want to just talk about this in this video from NVIDIA's perspective, because that's what we're going to talk about in this court case. Now, I've pulled up a court case from just a few years back. We've got it as 2014. This was a 6-3 decision, and it is called American Broadcasting Companies versus Aereo, formerly known as Bamboom Labs. I love tech company names. This particular case is about a company that was setting up individualized satellite antennas, uh, towers, things that would collect broadcast network TV shows and send them to your various devices. Ultimately, this was held to be a legal copyright infringement by the Supreme Court. And what we are going to see is just how much it mirrors what we are talking about right now with respect to GeForce Now. It says the Copyright Act of 1976 gives a copyright owner the exclusive right to perform the copyrighted work publicly. The Act's Transmit Clause defines that exclusive right as including the right to transmit or otherwise communicate a performance of the copyrighted work to the public by means of any device or process, whether the members of the public capable of receiving the performance receive it in the same place or in separate places and at the same time or at different times. We must decide whether respondent Aereo Inc. infringes this exclusive right by selling its subscribers a technologically complex service that allows them to watch television programs over the internet at about the same time as the programs are broadcast over the air. We conclude that it does. Now let's talk about what Aereo actually is. For a monthly fee, Aereo offers subscribers broadcast television programming over the internet, virtually as the programming is being broadcast. Much of this programming is made up of copyrighted works, right? The people that make television shows, they own the copyright in those television shows, and they are broadcast for the specific purpose of essentially personal enjoyment. You can't take something that was broadcast over TV and put it up in a movie theater and charge people to come see it. I think we all intuitively understand that. 
Aereo neither owns the copyright in those works, nor holds a license from the copyright owners to perform those works publicly. Aereo's system is made up of servers, transcoders, and thousands of dime-sized antennas housed in a central warehouse. It works roughly as follows. First, when a subscriber wants to watch a show that is currently being broadcast, he visits Aereo's website and selects from a list of the local programming the show he wishes to see. Second, one of Aereo's servers selects an antenna, which it dedicates to the use of that subscriber for the duration of the selected show. A server then turns the antenna to to the -the over-the-air broadcast carrying the show. The antenna begins to receive the broadcast, and an Aereo transcoder translates the signals received into data that can be transmitted over the internet. Third, rather than directly send the data to the subscriber, a server saves the data in a subscriber-specific folder on Aereo's hard drive. In other words, Aereo's system creates a subscriber-specific copy, that is a personal copy, of the subscriber's program of choice. And fourth, once several seconds of programming have been saved, Aereo's server begins to stream the saved copy of the show to the subscriber over the internet. Aereo emphasizes that the data that its system streams to each subscriber are the data from his own personal copy made from the broadcast signals received by the particular antenna allotted to him. Its system does not transmit data saved in one subscriber's folder to any other subscriber. When two subscribers wish to watch the same program, Aereo's system activates two separate antennas and saves two separate copies of the program in two separate folders. It then streams the show to the subscribers through two separate transmissions, each from the subscriber's personal copy. Again, if we reflect on what people have talked to me about in social media, what they have said with respect to the Hinterlands and the other publishers taking their games off of GeForce Now, one of the main arguments is that these folks are accessing their own Steam account to play their own Steam games beamed only to them. And so there cannot be a copyright infringement issue. There can't be a legal issue with any of this kind of stuff because regardless of what the EULA says, nothing else is happening here. This case speaks against that pretty strongly. This case requires us to answer two questions. First, in operating in the manner described above, does Aereo perform at all? And second, if so, does Aereo do so publicly? We address these distinct questions in turn. Does Aereo perform? As we saw in 106, subsection 4, the owner of a copyright has the exclusive right to perform the copyrighted work publicly. Phrased another way, does Aereo transmit a performance when a subscriber watches a show using Aereo's system? Or is it only the subscriber who transmits? Remember that argument? NVIDIA isn't doing anything because I'm doing everything. NVIDIA is just giving me a virtual PC. NVIDIA isn't doing anything, so we don't need to worry about what is happening at the NVIDIA level. In Aereo's view, it does not perform. It does no more than supply equipment that emulates the operation of a home antenna and digital video recorder. That's got to sound familiar to you at, at this point, right? Aereo is saying... We're not doing anything differently than you couldn't do with your own antenna and DVR. Just like NVIDIA is saying, we're just a personal computer off there in the cloud. It's just the same thing. The Supreme Court expressly rejects that notion in this case. Considered alone, the language of the act does not clearly indicate when an entity performs or transmits and when it merely supplies equipment that allows others to do so. But when read in light of its purpose, the act is unmistakable. An entity that engages in activities like Aereo's performs, 
read for purposes of the Copyright Act. And they then talk about a history of cable television and a whole bunch of other stuff. But it says, under this new language that was brought about by these particular cases, both the broadcaster and the viewer of a television program perform because they both show the program's images and make audible the program sounds. Now, obviously, this is a television case, but this is the way the law works. So we look for analogies, and this seems very, very analogous to the way video games operate, right? It's not so distinct just because you have interactivity about whether or not you are actually having something broadcast to you. And what the court held in this particular case in 2014 is the fact that, hey, these folks want to argue that it was only the individuals that were performing anything because they chose, it was their own antenna, all this stuff. And the, and the court decides, nope, it is the viewer. They're performing, yes, but it's also the broadcaster. A broadcasting network is performing when it transmits and any individual is performing whenever he or she communicates the performance by turning on a receiving set. Congress also enacted the transmit clause, which helps define what it means to perform or display a work publicly. And here's what they added. It says, to perform or display a work publicly means to transmit or otherwise communicate a performance or display of the work to a place specified by Clause 1, which is to a place open to the public or any place where a substantial number of persons outside of the normal family and social acquaintances is gathered, or to the public. Now, just reading this legally, and you'll see the court talk about this as well, to the public is separate from just Clause 1. So when we're talking about what Clause 1 says, which is a place open to the people that you would normally think of as publicly, or to the public has to add some kind of meaning. For the most part, one of the rules of interpretation is that we won't just scrub out words. We'll try to understand exactly what Congress intended by these things, and that's what the court does. By means of any device or process whether the members of the public capable of receiving the performance or display receive it in the same place or in separate places and at the same time or at different times. So you take all that apart and it's easy to see how the court arrives at, okay, so it can be separate transmission to separate places at different times and it doesn't have to be a place that is described in Clause 1 where there are a lot of people together at once. And we see them come to that conclusion here. The history makes clear that Aereo is not simply an equipment provider. Rather, Aereo, and not just its subscribers, perform or transmit. Aereo's equipment may serve a viewer function. It may enhance the viewer's ability to receive a broadcaster's programs. It may even emulate equipment a viewer could use at home. But the same was true of the equipment that was before the court and ultimately before Congress in the previous cases that the Supreme Court here is using to explain its stance on what the Copyright Act says and what it calls for. In other cases involving different kinds of service or technology providers, a user's involvement in the operation of the provider's equipment and selection of the content transmitted may well bear on whether the provider performs within the meaning of the act. Now, I've highlighted this in blue, right? Because this language is important. I just talked about how this is analogous to GeForce Now but it's not specific to it. This language, and the court likes to do this, to limit whatever they are talking about to the specific case or controversy before them, as they are called to do, says, okay, we're talking specifically about Arrow here. We can't kind of pretend that we understand what every possible technological implication of this could be 50 years from now, let alone six. And so we acknowledge that there could be other ways that technology could be organized where the provider is not part of this particular conversation. 
Now, in my opinion, which is all it is, please don't come after me too hard in the comments of this video because all we can give on questions like these are our opinions on how things are likely to be interpreted. Nothing that NVIDIA's GeForce Now project does separates itself from what Aereo was doing enough to get out of this kind of analysis. So we've got Aereo as performing. We've got Aereo as transmitting because they are curating, providing all this stuff. You can read through the specific language in this decision yourself. I will absolutely link this in the description to the video. But that GeForce Now is very much the same kind of thing. And the fact that it's just a single person Steam account being operated doesn't change that. In Aereo, it was one person deciding on one broadcast saved specifically for that individual, and the court still found issue. Next, we must consider whether Aereo performs petitioners' works publicly within the meaning of the transmit clause. What about the clause's further requirement that Aereo transmit a performance to the public? As we have said, an Aereo subscriber receives broadcast television signals with an antenna dedicated to him and him alone. Aereo's system makes from those signals a personal copy of the selected program. It streams the content of that copy to the same subscriber and to no one else. One, and only one subscriber has the ability to see and hear each Aereo transmission. The fact that each transmission is to only one subscriber, in Aereo's view, means that it does not transmit a performance to the public. It's only ever to one person, right? And you can see kind of NVIDIA's thought process in requiring that install button in their cloud servers to your account, right? That you're getting your individualized copy of this game. Or maybe you're not. Maybe NVIDIA doesn't even follow kind of Aereo's attempt to get out from distributing publicly. Maybe they didn't care to. I can't speak to the technology underlying it. But having you hit that install button at least implies that they are trying to establish that this is your own personal copy. This is your own personal version of this game. And the fact that it installs so quickly probably puts that under its own gray area. But because we don't know precisely how it operates on the back end, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds onto that functionality. That would be the kind of thing that would pop out if there were a lawsuit in an issue like this. The point is, Aereo actually made these copies only for this one person, and the court still declines to say that that isn't for the public. And they've got a lot of language here. They say the fact that a singular noun follows the words to transmit in the clause that we read does not suggest the contrary. One can sing a song to his family, whether he sings the same song one-on-one -on -one or in front of all together. Similarly, one's colleagues may watch a performance of a particular play, say this season's modern dress version of Measure for Measure, gotta love the Supremes, whether they do so at separate or at the same showings. By the same principle, an entity may transmit a performance through one or several transmissions where the performance is of the same work. Therefore, in light of the purpose and text of the clause, we conclude that when an entity communicates the same contemporaneously perceptible images and sounds to multiple people, it transmits a performance to them regardless of the number of discrete communications that it makes. Said another way, if you're playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey on GeForce Now, and it's the one copy that you have, and they try to go through all the stuff to give you that specific install on your virtual PC, and they transmit it to another and another and another and another, even though those are completely separate instances on completely separate days, the Supreme Court has held that that kind of thing is a delivery to the public. Whether Aereo transmits from the same or separate copies, it performs the same work. 
It shows the same images, makes audible the same sounds. Therefore, when Aereo streams the same television program to multiple subscribers, it transmits a performance to all of them. Moreover, in case you think the subscription got you out of it, the subscribers to whom Aereo transmits television programs constitute the public. Aereo communicates the same contemporaneously perceptible images and sounds to a large number of people who are unrelated and unknown to each other. This matters because although the act does not define, quote-unquote, the public, it specifies that an entity performs publicly when it performs at any place where the substantial number of persons outside of a normal circle of a family and its social acquaintances is gathered. The act thereby suggests that the public consists of a large group of some kind outside of a family and friends. You are not all friends and family of NVIDIA. The fact that it is just your account receiving access to this particular game doesn't change the fact that all of those accounts, all of those deliveries, all of those performances and transmittals are effectively to the public. And that makes a lot of sense, right? We wouldn't expect differently. Now, pretty much at the end of this opinion, you think, okay, this appears to apply all the way to NVIDIA's GeForce Now. Maybe there's no argument that could get us out of this. There is one. I've highlighted here in blue some of the things that the court tries to get out from under this particular decision. And I think it's going to be something that a lot of you are going to want to argue in social media or elsewhere when you talk about these issues. This paragraph says as follows. Neither the record nor Aereo suggests that Aereo's subscribers receive performances in their capacities as owners or possessors of the underlying works. This is relevant because when an entity performs to a set of people, whether they constitute the public often depends upon their relationship to the underlying work. When, for example, a valet parking attendant returns cars to their drivers, we would not say that the parking service provides cars to the public. We would say that it provides the cars to their owners. Similarly, an entity that transmits a performance to individuals in their capacities as owners or possessors does not perform to the public, whereas an entity like Aereo that transmits to large numbers of paying subscribers who lack any prior relationship to the works does so perform. Now, a couple things we need to back up and take a step here, right? You look at this and say, Rick, that sounds like a nice silver bullet for us that are really in favor of NVIDIA GeForce now and that this case probably doesn't apply. You might be right. The issue at hand is that, one, this particular paragraph actually doesn't control their decision in Aereo, right? This is what we might refer to as dicta, which means that they are trying to inform future action and to say what the contours of this decision are. But because it doesn't apply to Aereo, it probably shouldn't be read as precedential as much as informative about how certain members of the court think about this particular issue. The second problem we have is that the first part of this paragraph talks about being owners or possessors of the underlying works, the actual intellectual property. And I know the internet talks about this a lot. I know a lot of people have talked to me about it. But right now, under U.S. law, an end-user license agreement is generally going to be enforceable, which means this provision right here that says all title and ownership and all copies thereof are owned by Valve and the people that make the game is going to control. You don't own that copy of Assassin's Creed Odyssey. You own a license to use it in particular ways and under these specific restrictions. So you aren't an owner. You are a possessor of a license. And it's an open question as to whether or not that kind of concept 
get you closer to the Supreme Court saying something like NVIDIA's GeForce Now is okay because they are operating more like a valet parking attendant than Aereo was. But it's worth noting the Aereo subscribers were trying to subscribe for free things anyway. So the Supreme Court says they don't have ownership to the underlying materials. That's 100% true. You as a Steam licensor don't have ownership of the underlying materials either. And because they are actually trying to sell them into the stream of commerce, an enterprising lawyer could actually argue that it is a stronger case that NVIDIA GeForce Now is a more obvious contributory infringer based on what they are doing because otherwise the developers and publishers are seeking to commercialize their goods directly and not just through advertising. And NVIDIA's GeForce Now project is getting in the way of that. Now, to add one last kind of bit of ambiguity because the Supreme Court loves it, you'll note that the last sentence that I just talked about talks about a lack of any prior relationship to the works. And if one thing is clear, a Steam user that's trying to use NVIDIA's GeForce Now doesn't lack any relationship to the works. In fact, NVIDIA's GeForce Now project has required a prior relationship to the works. It's not an ownership relationship. It's not a possessor relationship, certainly not of the underlying works, but it is a prior relationship. So actually kind of framing these two sentences together is quite difficult. This is the world of law, right? If you haven't gotten it in virtual legality yet, these are the kinds of things that pop up as ambiguous. Now, in my reading, Aereo is largely responsive to the GeForce Now question. I think it would be absolutely referenced and decided upon by any court that were to face this specific issue. I think most courts would say GeForce Now operates the same way as Aereo. And regardless of your license rights to the underlying work, you are not an owner of that underlying work. And so we're not talking about cars. We're talking about intellectual property. So I don't think that the metaphor works terribly well because I don't think in general intellectual property is going to be transferred as much as it is licensed. But if you did receive exclusive ownership rights of a piece of intellectual property, then yes, the distribution of that intellectual property to you from the cloud probably isn't quote unquote to the public, which leaves us with the final decision of this case that says, we cannot now answer more precisely how the transmit clause or other provisions of the Copyright Act will apply to technologies not before us. We agree with the Solicitor General that questions involving cloud computing, remote storage DVRs, and other novel issues not before the court as to which Congress has not plainly marked the course should await a case in which they are squarely presented. Said another way, I think this case is very informative of the way the court is likely to think about many of these issues. But it's worth noting that since 2014, the actual composition of the court has changed substantially. And it's also worth noting that the dissent to this particular case was fairly robust. This was written by Justice Scalia, who is obviously not with us anymore, but was joined by Justice Thomas and Justice Alito, who said things like, in sum, Aereo does not perform for the sole and simple reason that it did not make a choice of the content. And because Aereo does not perform, it cannot be held directly liable for infringing the network's public performance right. Okay, so that sounds like the dissent is pretty useful to you NVIDIA GeForce Now fans. But now we get to the opposite version of the blue language. That conclusion does not necessarily mean that Aereo's service complies with the Copyright Act. Quite the contrary. The network's complaint alleges that Aereo is directly and secondarily liable for infringing the public performance rights and also their reproduction rights. 
This dissent only speaks to the Supreme Court deciding that Aereo is directly infringing on the copyright. They could still be secondarily or contributorily infringing on the rights, and they could also have issue with reproduction, that they're reproducing something that somebody else owns. That could be part of the transmittal question. The court never gets to that because they decide in the first instance that Aereo was directly infringing on the broadcast network's rights, and so... Scalia and the dissent here is saying that's not right. We disagree with that reasoning, but we would like to talk about the rest of the case. Or more specifically, we would like the underlying courts to discuss the rest of the case and we could reflect on those things. In particular, he says, I share the court's evident feeling that what Aereo is doing to the network's copyrighted programming ought not to be allowed. So for those of you jumping for joy and saying, hey, the dissent's going to help us out, that language in the actual decision is going to help us out. You do have members of the court that may not have agreed with the logic of the initial decision, sharing the court's feeling that whatever it is, whatever reason, what Aereo is trying to do is wrong and is probably illegal. But Scalia is a textualist, right? Or was a textualist. So he actually goes and gives the textualist argument. He says, as discussed at the outset, Aereo's secondary liability for performance infringement is yet to be determined as is its primary and secondary liability for reproduction infringement. If that does not suffice, then, assuming one shares our estimation of right and wrong, what we have before us is what might be considered a loophole. It is not the role of this court to identify and plug loopholes. It is the role of good lawyers to identify and exploit them, and the role of Congress to eliminate them if it wishes. He says, hey, I could think this is as wrong as I want to, but if the law doesn't actually prohibit it, my hands are tied as a justice of the Supreme Court. And the decision makers, the people in charge of the majority here, disagree. They think that the Copyright Act does cover it. But either way, Scalia and the dissent don't quite match up with what you might want to see if you just want G-Force now to be allowed, which is some kind of overall dissent to the entirety of any kind of problem here. They agree that Aereo is doing something wrong. They just disagree with how the court determined what that wrong actually was. Which leaves us at the end of our now hour plus long video with a couple of things to take away. One, the law isn't easy. I don't begrudge anybody coming into my social media feeds on Reset Era, on NeoGAF, on Reddit, anywhere else they might find themselves and saying, isn't this an ambiguity over here? Isn't this an ambiguity over here? Rick, shouldn't we interpret it this way? How did you get to this point when you're discussing this particular issue? The law isn't easy. That's one of the reasons why people practice law and they practice law for a long time. They go to law school for a long time. But even with that kind of background, you still get into situations where you are interpreting novel questions, questions that nobody has really kind of thought about before because we've got a specific interaction between licenses and rights written by human beings at the legal level, written by human beings at the contract level, and interpreted by human beings at the YouTube Hogue Law Business Law Firm YouTube channel level. And so you are going to have disagreements. You're going to have those ambiguities. My goal with virtual legality is not to explain to you necessarily, with some exceptions, how I think things should be, but how I see them to be. And I look at the situation with respect to the long dark in Hinterlands and say, I am sympathetic to a publisher saying, I don't believe I licensed those rights out in the Steam distribution agreement. And so I am now taking those rights, taking my game off of access to the platform GeForce Now. I am also sympathetic to 
to the person writing the Forbes article that says that is a stupid decision. You can absolutely come to that conclusion. But then the job of NVIDIA and the job of the game players and maybe even the job of Steam and Epic Games is to convince those developers of the rightness of their position, not just to assume that they can take the intellectual property rights that they want to run the platform as they see fit. Those publishers have the right to determine those dispositions of the exclusive copyrights granted to them in the United States code. They get to determine how things are distributed. They get to determine how things are displayed and performed and reproduced. And to the extent they didn't give it to Steam, then Steam didn't give it to you and you can't give it to NVIDIA. And if NVIDIA needs it, which I think they definitely do, then NVIDIA can't operate their system if someone says, hey, take our game off or we're going to sue you for infringement. And I don't think the hinterlands actually did that. But some people have come to me and said, what law are they actually breaking? And the law would be copyright infringement. They would be infringing on the right to perform, to display, to reproduce, whatever might have you. And it would be under the basic kind of thesis of a case like Aereo. Like any Supreme Court case of a prior decision, its precedential power will be directly attributed to how much it ties together with what the actual case is before you. And I can't promise that the court will interpret Aereo in any one specific way. All we can do when we talk about things from a legal opinion basis is say, here's the lay of the land. Here's what I see in the licenses. Here's what I see in the court cases. And here's how I think it would go. I think Aereo would control I think NVIDIA would be in trouble if somebody wanted to sue on those grounds. The easiest way for NVIDIA to avoid that suit is to just drop people off when they ask to be dropped off, to avoid any damage claims or infringement claims, and to move forward with their lives. For those of you that are interested in GeForce Now, I highly recommend putting pressure on the companies to absolutely be involved in the project, putting pressure on anybody that you like to say it's a good idea to have this support to change the licenses, and to have things go your way. But it's not right to just assume that they already have based on language that was never intended for that purpose. This has been Virtual Legality for today. I am sorry it is so long, but I very much am glad that you decided to stick with me throughout its duration. If you like this video, please like, please subscribe, please share it around, and let people know that we're here on Reddit, NeoGab, Freeset Era, wherever else you might find yourself. Let people know that we're here because we love to have these discussions. We don't even really mind people attacking us, although we would prefer it if they didn't, because we think the logic that they have is sometimes good and would be more heard better if it didn't involve quite so many personal attacks. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it in its podcast form, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.